Overdrive's artist in residence, Dean Oliver, also comes from a family that has had its passion for Holden cars. Dean joins me on the line now. Dean, your family did have some Holdens. How far back did it go? Yeah, thanks, David. Yes, our, our family had a fairly small collection of uh, Holdens, but nevertheless a good one. My father, m- my parents originally came through from a 1950s Austin A40 Tourer that my father used to deliver newspapers in. And then the big move was a 1962 EK Holden Special. It was a station wagon, and it had the two-speed hydromatic gearbox, which was brand new. And Dad used it to deliver newspapers around uh, Shell Harbour and and that area of the South Coast. Now, that's the reflection of the times, because when the first Holden came in, the biggest selling car was the A40 Austin Devon. Well, yes, he certainly fitted that stereotype really well, but the old English Austin was just no match for the rough potholes of the roads of country New South Wales. How did your father feel with that change? Because it was going to a bigger car, a more powerful car, and a more rugged car. Was he proud of that? Oh, it was the pride of the family, David. There were photographs of the family standing beside it, beaming, smiling, and it was a spectacular-looking thing compared to the old Austin. The Holden was bright blue, and it had a stripe down the side, and the EK had those wonderful tail fins on the tail lights, which looked very American. It was that era of the excess of the Cadillac reflecting the space race, really, wasn't it? It was trying to look like it was a rocket. Yes, but NASA rockets probably didn't overheat uh, with quite quite the same problems as as the Holden did, especially on our trips up to Sydney. Mum always packed a thermos and some sandwiches because the Holden would get pretty warm going up Mount Oosley from Wollongong and... Dad always had a race with himself to see if he could get over in third gear without it changing back down to second, about 50% of the time. That's another whole story of the hills in every capital city under which people tested their car, or even in your case, as you're saying, some of the more rural roads of if you can get up the hill, then you know you're doing well. Did they continue with Holden's? Yes, and after almost 10 years, the old EK gave way to a 1972 HQ Kingswood, and it was a 253 V8. And I think my poor old dad might have got done over by the salesman um, at the Holden dealership because uh, it was pretty out of character for him to go for a, you know, a, a smooth V8. And especially the, the HQ was, uh, the colour was Chateau Mauve, which was uh, a metallic purple colour. The 253 was the six-cylinder pistons, but only eight of them, I believe. That's right, yeah, 4.2 litres. It had a bit more torque and a bit more power than the uh, the 202 uh, six-cylinder, and, and it went well with the Trimatic three-speed gearbox, and it was, it was a lovely, smooth touring car, very soft, squashy suspension, and uh, I think understeer was the, was the name of the game when it came to handling, but it looked good, it sounded good. It started rusting from the day we bought it, and... uh... (laughs) You then continued. Your first car, I think, was a Tirana, but it came with an unsolicited recommendation for financial prudence. Well, I'd got my first job, and uh, and I was pretty keen on Holden's and uh, the Holden dealer team, and the Bathurst uh, races and all that sort of thing. And so naturally, I had a job, I was getting a regular income, and so it had to be a Tirana. 
There's no way I could have got an XU1 because insurance was just totally impossible for a young bloke in his early 20s. So my new car was a GTR Tirana, a 973 LJ model. And uh, it was wonderful. And I bought it with a bank loan and I got a stern lecture from the uh, from the bank manager about responsible financial management. And in hindsight, I think I borrowed about $2,000. The car was about 3000 400 or something new, and I borrowed $2,000, which in dollars of the day was an enormous amount of money. So the bank manager was, I think, pretty horrified. <laughs> uh, of course, you should have kept it. Should have done. I traded it in a few years later, got about, I don't know, $1,600, $1,700 for it, and then I saw one at auction a couple of, a year or two ago in pretty good condition. It was an LJ GTR Tirana for about $30,000. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Yes, but you would have had to keep it for a long time to get that. It, too, had also started to rust. We look at these cars through sort of rose-coloured rear-vision mirrors. We were passionate. We loved the Ford versus Holden thing. We were The Japanese cars were sort of on their way in, and we, we were very suspicious of these European cars, Alphas and Fiat's and things like that. But in actual fact, the Holdens, they weren't really all that well-made. They were low technology. Uh, GMH was a slow to react conservative company. But if they hadn't have kept winning, winning those Bathurst races, well, I don't know what would have happened. You have some photos of it on a dirt road doing a little bit of oversteer. Well, I don't know what I was thinking at the time, David, but I lent my Tirana GTR to you to drive and on a dirt road just so I could get some photographs of it. Well, they were good photographs, I thought, at the time. I think we might have put them on um, on your website. I note at one stage there I was probably in the groove because I had a Terry Towling hat on. <laughs> well, even rally drivers in those days just wore Terry Towling hats. It just kept the dust out of your hair, I think, that's all. You said you followed the Holden dealer team did you have a certain balanced view or were you somewhat one-eyed? I would have thought I was pretty balanced, but in hindsight, I can think it was really kind of a, a strange fanaticism. I had a, um, a scrapbook and I used to diligently cut out all of the uh, the photographs that I could find of winning Holdens and Bathurst and racing and rallying. And those were the days of the Holden dealer team with Colin Bond and Peter Brock and uh, Harry Firth. And so each week I'd, uh, I'd cut the photographs out and stick them in my scrapbook. And on the odd occasion when I got a good photograph, but unfortunately the Holden might have come second, I painted out the, uh, the Ford in front of the, the Holden, painted out with black paint. My scrapbook looked a bit like a redacted security document with big black patches all over it. You could work for the administration and the American political system. I might have seen a few um, uh, spy movies in my time. You threw those scrapbooks out, didn't you? Was that cathartic? At the time, it probably was, but now I, I really, really regret doing that. I mean, I, I, you know, my memories of those days are, are really pretty good, and I'd like to go back and see them again. I think those those photographs and how I um, how I, I, I treated them. It was good fun and cathartic. Yes, well. Cars represent important milestones in uh, in a young bloke's life. It wasn't a Tirana, but you may have noticed that picture I put on the Overdrive City Facebook site of the yellow Monaro with the lady getting out of it in a jumpsuit, a skin-hugging oh, yes. jumpsuit. 
I did notice that, and uh, I think I might have had a, a copy of that advertisement pinned up in my bedroom somewhere. Yes, yeah. Mm. Loosely related to motoring. <laughs> you could look at it in, in, in two ways. I think you could have looked at that ad, David, yes, yeah. Yes, uh, well, uh, I think it had, what was it, a double entendre with one meaning. <laughs> That's right. Yes, yes. Did you uh, continue a passion? Have Have you continued a passion for Holden? No. No, the cars after then became a succession of Datsun 1600s, Honda Accords, Subaru Forester, and, of course, a trusty Volkswagen Combi van as I get older. You rallied the 1600. Yes, yes, and and you of course were my trusty navigator, and we had uh, we had a great time. It was cheap. It was the cars were rough and tough, and it was great fun. Dean, you have an element of great culture about you. I remember sitting in the passenger seat to navigate and looking up to the note, well, a little piece of paper you'd cut out of a program and stuck on the roll bar. The program, I believe, was. A ballet presentation. Oh, it was a concert. It was a concert or a ballet, and I think it was a notice in the program said, "Please remain seated during the performance." The only time I wanted to get out was for all the wrong reasons, and nothing to do with your driving, but to do with my inability to keep my head down reading while the car <laughs> was bouncing all around me. Oh, uh, David, all the best navigators suffered from car sickness. It was a lovely time. I can't see a picture of an old Tirana, particularly a Holden dealer team, often on the circuit but also in rallying, that doesn't evoke within me a mystical significance. Yeah, certainly. Hindsight's always terrific and you can look back and think how wonderful the times were, and they certainly were. It was a simpler time. Our cars were simpler. Our lives were simpler. Dirt roads were closer to the city. <laughs> I mean, there's not a dirt road within an hour's drive of, um, of the centre of our cities now. It's just not fun. Dean, I've uh, appreciated over the many years your tolerance for my idiosyncrasies and your great kindness in allowing me to drive your Tirana GTR on a dirt road. I thank you for that, and I thank you for your patience an ongoing trust. <laughs> it's, David, it's a pleasure. Let's get together again soon and cry on each other's shoulder. And that's Dean Oliver, the artist in resident for the Overdrive program, former Holden GTR Tirana owner and driver, and one who has kept his eye on things of broad culture and base Holdens.